I went into a trance or something. Kind of scared me a little bit. Uh, a few days ago, I think it was, I can't remember what day. I think it was Wednesday. I don't remember. And, uh, and I, I mean, literally, I just was froze for a second. And I was, and, uh, and, and now I remember back when I became a Christian, I would say, Lord, I, people in the Bible heard your voice. And it says, you know, that the word of the Lord came on to uh, Isaiah, the word of the Lord came on to Samuel. I'm like, I want to be able to hear you. So God put me in contact with a man who can actually hear from God. He taught me how to hear from God. So, so when I say that, you know, the Holy Spirit was talking to me, he really was. I know it sounds creepy, <laughs> but, but, but I, can, I can actually, I actually, it was almost like a burning bush moment, and I was in a trance, Hallelujah. and I was, uh, and Laura was sharing some stuff from, with me, and I got to ask him some questions that I normally, normally he ignores my questions, he won't answer them, but, but he, 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 he started to answer a couple of them, and so, um, this, this, this plays, and, and, this, and, and all of you, have really taken on my personality in a lot of ways. One, you guys are pretty tough. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I like to consider myself as, as, as somebody pretty tough. I mean, life comes, but, you know, I just kind of deal with it. You guys taking on that personality. You guys are faithful. I mean, you guys are really faithful. I mean, think about it. We're not a big church, but you guys are faithfully uh, you, you take care of it. You support it. Everybody say amen. Amen. You guys aren't judgmental. I'm not a judgmental person. I just, I'm just not that way. Never have been. Never will be. I believe that the word itself can explain things. But I don't have to add my input or what I think. I'm not, I'm not judgmental. You guys are taking on that personality. You guys are loyal. I have, a, I have a major loyalty problem. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. I'm too loyal sometimes. But I'm a loyal person. So you guys are taking on all my traits. You guys are loving. You guys don't have issues with race. You guys, I mean, the personality, my personality is stamped all over. And you guys are kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, and, and, that, and, and that follows my pattern also. And, and you guys don't like religion. Amen. Say amen. So, I mean, this place is really taking on my personality except for one area. When it comes to evangelism. Okay. I'm going to be careful how I say this because I don't want it to come off as bragging because you guys know I don't brag. But I've led a lot of people to the Lord. Mm -hmm. A lot of people know God because I know God. They come to know who he is because some kind of way, whether it was uh, their dumb luck or their misfortune, uh, they came in contact with me. <laughs> and then I went, no, this person's got to know who you are. So in, in my trance and prayer, I'm like, Lord, so it's, it's got to be a few things. One, maybe it's just not an urgency. Maybe they're not as urgent as I, as I am. Or maybe they, you know, they feel like they don't know how to do it or whatever. Or maybe they might, some of us might be living double lives. I mean, I, I go, no, I know them pretty well. I just, they're taking on all my personality except that one. I changed, I'm not bragging. I helped change the whole dynamic of churches before. Because at Dumas Outreach, our campus ministry helped blow the church up because I was going all over campuses. And kids, when they came home for the, after school, they would always come to, to Dumas Outreach. We, we took, a, we took a, a little group of kids and turned it into hundreds of kids with, with violent faith. I mean, I, we, I mean, the kingdom has expanded through me. 
And then thank God, God is still using me with the radio and all that crap. I'm still expanding, but I go, man, the church, that's one trait of mine that we don't have. So then the Lord began to speak to me about my fruitfulness. And he's like, you know, I, I just, you, you have to be fruitful. You're going to be fruitful either one place or another. Ask your brother. Mm. And I went, okay, Lord, but you know what? We can do it because I've seen us. I've saw, I saw a vision of us. So I'm like, okay, so help me. Amen. Help me, help me. Help me have that part of me to ooze out. Because uh, uh, right now I'm a shepherd, and shepherds don't really fish. Shepherds clean. Mm -hmm. The people fish. So I'm like the chef. When you guys go out and catch the fish, because remember Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. When you guys catch the fish and you bring it into here, and I'm the one who cleaned it up, and I get the scales off, and Cut the head off. You ever ate a fish with the whole head on it? That's creepy to me. I mean, you know, in, a, in, a, in those very expensive places, they bring you the fish, the whole head there, the eyeball still in it. I don't want to see it. So I, I'm the guy who takes care of the fish when you catch the fish. I'm the one who teaches the fish when you catch the fish. You guys, it, there's no fish. Amen. And so I began to think about it. And God says, okay, let's go back into your past and let's, let's see what we've done in the past. And I go, okay, well, one major thing that I always use is actually A and B. I use my influence and my friendship. If I think about it, okay, Kim came to mind. I'll tell you why. Because me and her became friends on site. And then we became brother and sisters within a week or something like that. In fact, people at work used to call us brother and sister. Well, where's your sister at? Or, I, or they'll be like, your brother's not here yet? They, they actually called us, didn't they? People would be like, Kimberly, go get your brother and tell him we need <laughs> Or she'll come busting in and they'll be like, oh, your sister's here. You know, they, 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 our closeness was crazy and it was immediate. Amen. And then what happened was, I didn't tell her totally about me. And then I remember one day I was like, okay, I got to let her know. So I'm like, Kim, using my friendship, because if she would have asked me to do anything, I would have did it. She said, hey, I need you to go to California and pick up a car with me. I would have went. I mean, we were like that. So I'm like, I'm going to use my friendship and my influence. I'm going to invite her to church with me. Kim, I need you to go to church with me. Kim didn't even blink. She says, okay, I'm there. And I said, by the way, I'm the one who's going to teach. And she's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak at the church, so I want you to come. I think Courtney was. Was Courtney with us? Courtney was there. And so on the way there, we're driving from Almont down to the city. And then she goes, well, what are you going to talk about? And I went, I don't know. And she went, what? <laughs> We don't know. I mean, you got to tell. And she started telling me about, uh, I think her grandfather, somebody was a preacher, and she used to watch him. I'm like, Kim, I'll figure it out when we get there. And so she's nervous the whole way there. So we get there, and then we get finished, and she goes, I didn't know. And I'm like, well, because I don't tell people. I don't come in the door like, hey, the preacher's here. In fact, I, can't, I don't even tell people I'm a preacher. I, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. It's kind of scary because everybody gets creepy. 
And so it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was an example of using my friendship. And friendships have what? Influence. Oh, you got friendships. Where are your friends? You all have major friendships. Where are they? Do they know God because you know God? Here's my nightmare that I stand before the Lord and he goes, hey, Jesus gave an account for your sin and boy, you had a lot of them. But what did you do with the life I gave you? Were you fruitful? And, if, and here's my fear, that people under my watch are going to stand before the Lord and go, I didn't, I, who knows me because you know me? Really nobody. When the last word that Jesus said was, go into the world and do what? Make disciples. So this church is taking on my personality. You guys are kind of crazy. You guys like to have fun at church. You guys will slap somebody if you got to. I mean, you guys are taking on my personality, except for that area. So I, I begin to look at the book of Acts, because in the book of Acts, there's so many conversions. People's lives have changed. Disciples were changing lives all over the place. And on, in Acts 16, 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expecting to find a place of prayer. There were people that were gathering that would always gather at prayer. And so here's the disciples. Here's, and they go and they go out there. And then Paul, go, Paul, is with, Paul goes and he sat down and he began to speak to the women that was gathered there. Now that's very important because back then dudes didn't talk to women. Amen. But see, the thing is, the disciples' lives had changed. Remember when the woman at the well, they were like, Jesus, why are you talking to this chick? Remember the woman who came running up to the road and said, hey, Jesus, my daughter. They just didn't deal with women, but now, so they're letting you know that God really does change your nature. Right. He really does. So they're sitting there talking to women who have a concept of God now. They're not sinning. They're not women out here just... So, they represent people that you will bump into that are religious. I'll tell you one person who I knew had a sense of God, but didn't totally know God, and that was Mark. When I met Mark, I, said, I knew Mark had a sense of God, but I had to show Mark the love of God. And it changed Mark's life. Mark, I, unfortunately, you work for me. <laughs> So your life is going to change. That's the way I think. Whenever I get close to somebody, I go, unfortunately, I've come. So your life has got to change. Next verse. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a so dealer. Lydia was listening. And listen, she was a dealer in purple cloth, which means purple dye was very expensive. So someone, so anything with color costs more money. She was a dealer in So she was like Gloria Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. She was like the Halston people. She was, a, she was a designer of fine clothing. Everybody see that? Come on. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And she was a worshiper of God, but the Lord had to open her heart to re respond to Paul's message. When Paul sat down and began to discuss, let me tell you how that conversation went. 
He went, okay, guys, tell me what you know. And they went, well, we know that God made a deal with Abraham, and Abraham, they said that he would bless many nations from Abraham. And then I know the story of Moses, and I understand the commandments because I try to keep them. See, they began to tell him all the stuff they knew. See, they were worshipers of God, but if they're worshipers of God and they know him so well, why did he have to open their hearts to respond to Paul's message? Because this is what Paul said. That's good, but let me take you deeper. Jesus. Amen. So here's this rich woman who's doing really well, and Paul says, you have a form of God. So I had to give accounts for, for I had similar situations. The president of our company came to me one day and said, listen, you, I know who you are. I know who you are. We and me and you have developed a relationship. I'm going to give you every Saturday, can you do breakfast with me for a month? And I went, yeah, as long as you pay, because you're rich. And I'm. <laughs> so every Saturday, we would get up, and we would go to, to uh, Times Square. And we would sit there, and we would eat breakfast. They even knew us when we came in. They were like, oh, you guys are back. Yep, we're back. We got a meeting here. He said, here's the thing. I have a concept of God, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't need him. And you have to help me see, why do I need God? Mm -hmm. And we sat, and we were sitting, and we were beginning to discuss. Now, again, using my influence, because he trusts me enough that he would come, and my friendship, meaning, hey, you're a friend of mine, so help me. And so we begin this journey of now, how am I going to get this rich guy who doesn't need anything from God physically to see that he needs God? And I'm on a time limit. And I go, dude, the only way I can do it, like Paul did it to her, I have to show God's beauty Amen. and his necessity for your life. In other words, just the, the uncut gospel. Amen. Because the gospel is this. Religion is from the, from the outside in. You dress a certain way, you say, act a certain way, you use a certain language. You ever seen people with dresses all the way down to the ground and no makeup, no earrings, no fancy hair, anything? Religion is from the, Christianity is from the inside out. Amen. So you see God for his usefulness, I have to show you God for his beauty. Hallelujah. And for his necessity for your life. And we started this major discussion with intellect. This woman was intellectual because she was, she, was, she, had, she was very successful. She was smart. She was successful. And Paul says, let me tell you something. I know you're a worshiper of the God of Abraham, but let me tell you about Jesus and the reason why you need him. Because you're doing everything from the outside in. How many people do you know that are religious? Amen. You gotta always take them to the elephant in the room. You gotta take. I've helped transform many religious people's lives by taking them the gospel. And the gospel is this: Jesus and Him crucified and Him resurrected and Him being born of a virgin, a virgin to take away your sin. Because no matter how good you are, you're not good. Amen. And when if Jesus, if God cracks the sky today. You 
will be resting in a lake of fire waiting to go to the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, 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 if God came right now, if Jesus came back right now, you're toasted. And all of your money, all of your intellect will never save you. Amen. How come all your friends aren't saved? Next verse. When she and the members of her household were baptized. So wait a minute. You're trying to tell me. This is what you're trying to tell me. That when she became, not her whole household was baptized. Amen. She invited us into her home. And this is what she said. What did she say? If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. She says, now, if you consider me to be a believer now, come stay at my house. Can you imagine what kind of house she had? Right. Come stay at my house. And and she persuaded us, so we stayed there. She went from a religious thought about God to realizing that now, because of Jesus. So she had to accept Jesus. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Not only that, her, she got baptized, her whole house got baptized. How come your whole house isn't baptized? Amen. How come your whole house don't know Jesus by now? And I know you may say, well, my husband's hard-headed or my wife is... No, the greater one is in you. Amen. Someone should not be using the same bathroom you use and not know who Jesus is by now. Let me tell you another secret you got to do. You have to pray really hard. Amen. With urgency, like you're trying to save their lives. Amen. So I'm like, I meet Marilyn, and I'm like, Marilyn, Marilyn's the only reason why I stayed out here. You guys always need, you need to thank Marilyn, because I was about to go back to the city. And I met Marilyn, and Marilyn kept me here. Amen. And, and, and Marilyn, you got to know who God is. I know you have a good concept, but let me take you deeper. You know why? The misfortune of meeting me. <laughs> Rita, Rita's not here. Rita, you little, little, little cute little thing. And, and, I, I, and man, we developed this relationship. And Rita, I know you have a concept of God. Amen. But let me take you deeper. Thank you, Lord. Mark, I know you got a concept. Ellen, Jeff, I know you got concepts of God. Let me take you deeper. Using my friendship, my influence. Amen. Try getting a rich person to know they need Jesus. Jesus even said it's hard for a rich person. Amen. We did it. He's doing really well right now. Move forward. Go. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, Uh we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So he says this female slave, she would represent like a soothsayer or a palm reader or someone who dabbled in astrology. And then some of you may say, is that stuff sin? I would say, well, if it didn't come from God, Paul would have never cast the spirit out of her. Amen. So that means that other spirits can help you do these things. Amen. Doesn't necessarily mean it's God. Doesn't necessarily mean it's not. Amen. All right? But I'm not going to no palm reader. I don't follow astrology. Mm-hmm. All right? I, I never met somebody and went, hey, I'm kidding, I'm a cancer. <laughs> what are you? You're Scorpion? Oh, we match. I, I never, I've never done that crap, right? So, so here it is, this slave woman who had a gift, but it did not come from God. 
and she could foresee the future, and she saw things. All right, all right. And here's the thing, she was a slave, so people would come to her to get their palms read and their fortunes told, but she never kept the money, she was a slave. So all she was doing was make, so she pretty much was a prostitute. Right. Everybody see that? Yep. Next verse. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So she knew that these, these guys know who God is, but even though she didn't know who God was. Mm -hmm. she, but some sense told her that these men were the people of God and they're telling you the way to be saved. They're going about telling everyone how to be saved. And so she's walking behind them every day going, these are the men of God, telling them all how to be saved. Next verse. She kept this up for many days. Mm -hmm. Finally, Paul became so annoyed Finally, that he- Paul said, you know, I'm sick of this broad. I, I mean, see, every day we come out the hotel and she's right behind us screaming at us. So Paul turns around very annoyed and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit came out of her. So that means that it did not come from God. Amen. So I would suggest, don't be going to no palm readers, mm -hmm. soothsayers, voodoo queens, mm -hmm. trying to get your future read. Don't be following all the astrologies and all that stuff. Too tough. Hmm. All right, all right. I don't want to hear you're a Libra. <laughs> <laughs> so the spirit left her. So here it is, a woman who represents people who are oppressed. She's not only oppressed spiritually, but she's oppressed naturally. Someone who's really in a tough situation and don't really know how to get out. The spirit left her, and I guarantee you her life changed right after that. Not only spiritually, mentally, but financially it had to change. I remember when I was going to school, I went to Oakland for a bit because I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And, and, and uh, I wanted to play baseball, but I, you know, I had to go to college, you know, just to stay in school shape. So I went to, and I was, remember being there, and I met this girl. She was, she was, uh, um, uh, we met kind of on a humble. She was, uh, 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 in the same class, and, and she didn't really know where to go, so I showed her where to go. And so we were just cool. It was, but then over time, you know, we would kind of hang out, and we, it was nothing, no like or anything like that. But she was really cool. She thought I was cool. And then she finally went, you know, I'm really here because I'm trying to change my life. I'm like, change your life? What's going on? She's like, well, I'm a stripper mm -hmm. or exotic dancer. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the PC term or whatever. And I go, okay, I didn't even blink. And, then, and, and I said, well, so what? I mean, uh, and, then, and then she goes, well, what are you, who are you? And I went, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I'm here. I really play baseball, but, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working with my grandfather at the time. I was working with my grandfather. And I'm like, well, and then I play music. I play, and she goes, oh, you play music? What kind of music? Christian. <laughs> and she goes, Oh, and I go, hey, hey, hey. Right. Now, we're cool. I mean, you know. And so then we begin to discuss, and she begin to tell me that she really hates it, and, but she makes all this money. And, and so I'm like, well, you know what? But that's why you're here. We got to find a better way. And so we took this journey over a matter of, of, a, of a, probably about a couple of months. And, 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 and then finally, I, you know, she's like, I want this, I can't, I want this Jesus you got. Let me tell you why. 
Because you're the only man that I met in a long time that gave me respect. Amen. Amen. Who didn't look at me physically or want something from? I mean, she's like, imagine these guys clawing at me all the time. I oh, I just hate them. And you're the only guy that just respected me. And then you didn't judge me. No, you're one of them church dudes and you didn't even judge me. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to Amen. get you to see something. Yes, Lord. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's your issue because you got an economic situation. This woman was making a lot of money for her masters, and we'll see that in a minute. So I remember leading drug dealers. I, I had two major drug dealers that, that I led to the Lord because we had friendships from when I was in the street. And, and, and when they came to the Lord, they go, well, what am I going to do now? Can I make X amount of dollars a week slinging drugs, man? And now Jesus come to my life. How am I going to make? I was making like five grand a week. This is back in the 80s. So see, these people, it's not just spiritually, emotionally, sometimes it's economically. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, well, here's the thing. I do know people, man. We can, I can help you get on your feet. So we got one in the Ford. We got one into some, uh, he, he was doing something. I can't remember what it was. And they both weren't making what they used to, but they were doing okay. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of it is we were in a congregation where I knew what people were doing and people were able to help them. So you mm -hmm. can't just help them spiritually. Some of you got to help them. Amen. I'm going to stop selling drugs and everything, but how am I going to make it? Because I want this Jesus. You've taught me Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I just left, you know, probably five, six, seven grand. Mm -hmm. I can't go nowhere and make that. Let them to the Lord. Help them straighten their lives out. Amen. The girl that was the exotic dancer at the school, we left school, I left school, and, and uh, she, she found my mother's address. She said she got it through the school. I don't even know how she did it. She mailed me a letter. My mom got the letter, gave it to me, and she had put the letter, said how she changed her life, how the Lord has blessed her, how she had got married. And Praise the Lord. It was the misfortune the fortune of bumping into me. <laughs> I've had people come up on the street and go, man, you don't remember me, but you came to Eastern Michigan one time and I came up to the altar. There was a bunch of us there though and I gave my life to the Lord. And came. I know you don't remember me. And I'm like, no, I don't remember. But thank you, Lord, you know what I mean? What am I saying? When he said, Kenan, are you? No, I'm not bragging. I'm trying to get you to see Amen. that people have the misfortune or the fortune of meeting me. You meeting up. That's the only thing this church hasn't taken on my personality. Scares me a bit. Next verse. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to uh -huh. face the authorities. That's pretty sad. We're not making no more. See, her life had changed. They're not making any money off of her anymore. They grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged her to the authorities. Next verse. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. These men are Jews and they know God. And man, our whole city is now in turmoil. These guys messed the whole city up. Mm -hmm. What they're saying is our normal way of living has now been disrupted by these Jesus dudes. Mm -hmm. Know why? Because so many people are now coming to the Lord. 
Hallelujah. And this city is founded on dirt that is done. And these people aren't doing dirt anymore. <laughs> and hey, my best palm reader got saved. <laughs> and that, you know how much money we were taking in off of that? Mm -hmm. You guys following me? Yep, amen. Come on. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. See, this is Rome back in the day, which Rome was a major force in the world. And they're like, Rome was built on a lot of craziness. And Rome was founded on a lot of dirt. Mm -hmm. Their nightlife was nuts. I tr trust me. <laughs> and so here it is. They're saying, man, unlawful. Rome is to accept or practice this stuff. They're changing our whole economic situation. It's changing because of these Jesus dudes, man. Mm -hmm. Next verse. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So imagine this. And then we go, oh, I'm going through so much, you know, oh my God. And I'm going, man, Paul and Silas got beat and stripped naked for doing Jesus. Mm -hmm. They actually, the crowd, the mob grabbed them. The magistrate ordered them to strip them down and beat them with rods. Get you a stick and beat them. That'll make them stop. Hmm. For doing Jesus? I remember going to jail for doing nothing. And I'm like, I ain't do nothing. I'm sitting in jail. And I could hear Paul and Silas was in jail Amen. for doing nothing but Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you know what I did? The guy that they unfortunately or fortunately threw in the thing with me. <laughs> yes, Lord. Since I'm here, I might as well help you know who Jesus is. I know I'm here with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just want to change my life, turn it around. Dude, we can turn it around, I'm telling you. I don't base it on what I'm here. I know I'm here. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, no prisoner is guilty. <laughs> so I'm like, I know I'm here, but, I, but while I'm here. Yes. I led a guy to the Lord in a prison cell. Mm. It's just the fortune or misfortune. Of yes, Lord. Crazy looking guy too. Ponytail, crazy white dude, orange jumpsuit. <laughs> led him to the Lord in a prison cell. Got out the next morning. Thank you. <laughs> next verse. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so we had, here's the rich woman, here's the slave who was a, a, a reader, and here's the jailer. And you know what the jailer represents? The jailer represents your average Joe. Mm -hmm. He represents your neighbor. He's not doing well, but he's not doing bad. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't despise God, but he doesn't really care about him either. It's, See, the average person is like, the average person you know is probably like that. They kind of fit in that box of, see, he had to be a Roman soldier because they, when Roman soldiers got done with their duty, they would give them jobs like that because they were good jobs. So he was probably a soldier who was, used to be a Roman soldier. So he grabs them and he, they said, listen, guard them carefully. Next verse. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, mind you, they're beat up. They're beat up and they're naked. And he grabs them because he's indifferent. I just got to do my job. And he throws them in and he puts them in stocks. Stocks were these pieces of wood and they would slash their feet to them so they couldn't get anywhere. And they, and they put them in the stocks. About midnight, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. At midnight, why was Paul and Silas praying and singing and you sitting there beating the death for doing nothing and you're naked and you're, you're beat up and you're hurting and your bruises are pulsating and spitting out blood and oozing and you're sitting there and you're doing what? You're singing and praising God in, a, in a midst. Most of us would be, Lord, I don't belong here. You left me out. Why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. I know you would. But here they're going, singing praises and hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Amen. I'm telling you, you go to jail, they're going to listen. Amen. I'm not saying go to jail, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so here's this guard. Let me give you the thought about this guard. Because you know what this guard reminded me of? Man, it was, we were at work, and then they were sending someone over from China. Because we started doing robotics. So they were starting to do it over there, but we had started it here. So they wanted to send an engineer over from China. To, they were like, Kenan, we got to put him with you. Show him everything, but you got to take care of him for the next three days. And I went, what are we going to do, karate? I'm, I'm sorry, that's racist, I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here, bring him to me, we'll do it. So they bring him in to me, meet the guy, really like the guy. And so we do the stuff. Then we went to dinner. And, I, and I'm sitting at the table, and we're ordering stuff, and the Lord goes, you got three days to reach this guy. Hallelujah. Three days to reach this Buddhist? Mm-hmm. Just like that, you got three days. <sighs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and we begin to discuss, and we begin to discuss family, and we begin to discuss situations. And he goes, man, I didn't, I, you don't, I, I'm dealing with this back at home. And, I'm, and I go, yeah, well, I deal with this here. And he goes, well, how do you deal with it? Well, I got this supernatural power. Hallelujah. He goes, what is that? What is that? I know you probably had a glimpse of this, but let me, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we, we were in the restaurant probably for two hours just, and the next day, he comes from the hotel, and he comes, and he finds me, and, he, we, and, and we, we gather. And we're not talking about work. <laughs> He's going, hey, to follow up on that conversation we had. Yes, and I'm thinking, Lord. okay, Lord, I'm, this is day two. This is day two. And, and, I'm, and I'm trying, okay, can, Lord, give me this. I got to get this guy. It's day two. Let me, let me help him out. And so we and he's very intellectual, very smart, because he's an engineer. He's smart. And, 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 and he's very smart, and he's, and he, but he, he's indifferent. He was, he was just a steady guy like this guy. Mm -hmm. So here it is. Paul took the gospel to Lydia. God used, Paul used the power of Jesus to transform the slave girl. But this one, he had to show him the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Lord, I got to show him. So we begin to move and we begin to do stuff. And then day two went by and went really well. Then the last day, he was leaving that later on that night. And I'm like, dude, listen. He's like, you know, you, you gave me some really impelling, compelling things to think about. And I got to go back home. I'm like, you can't go back home without Jesus. And he, this is what he said. I, I don't know, but one thing I do know, I want what you got. Yes, Lord. You have shown me. My need for something. Amen. Let him to the Lord. Sent him away. Me and him kept in contact with email. He came back. Kimberly came back. And, he, and, and, uh, and, they, and I think, did you bring him to me? Yeah. 
Kim brought him to me at the church, and this guy sounded like a preacher. Hallelujah. And he got he found a Christian church there, and he got so involved. And I guarantee you, he's preaching the gospel right now. Guarantee. Amen. You. Amen. Three days. You've been around people for three years. He had the misfortune or the fortune. They stuck you with me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a chance. Oh, you, you're friends with me? You don't have a chance. You know me? You don't have a chance. Next verse. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now, why was that? I'm going to tell you why that was. Because they were singing and giving praise to God in the midst of that situation. And yep. then the earthquake came. See, complaining and blaming everything on God is not going to get you an earthquake. Praising God and, 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 and worshiping God and proclaiming God causes the earthquake in your life. See, could you get a situation where you need an earthquake? Amen. But you ain't going to get it going, God, it's your fault. Why is this happening to me? I don't believe this. this I don't deserve this. Amen. No, right. you get out of it by saying, Lord, I still worship you. Amen. My brother won't wake up. I still worship you. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Lost my uncle, but I still worship you. Yes, Lord. Something in my life is going a little wacky, but you still get all the glory. I need an earthquake. I can't get an earthquake complaining. Amen. I can't get an earthquake going, woe is me, and blaming you. Amen. <laughs> then the earthquake came. Prison was shaken. The foundation of the place was shaken. Know why? Because they were praising, giving God glory in the midst of their situation. And once all the prison doors flew open, everyone's chains came off. Amen. That's what worshiping and praising God does. In the midst of your heart, I know the doctors just told you something crazy. I know you just found out something crazy at work. I know, you know, everybody's sick. Everybody's just sick now. You know, and oh, so and so sick. Oh, they're sick. Do they have COVID? Everybody's losing their mind. And once, and I get all this news and I just go, Lord, I thank you. Yes, Lord. Because, see, I need an earthquake right now because these, these people need your help. People call in on the radio station and they got these major issues in their lives and it's like well hey Lord I give you glory how about we praise God for a second praise God in the midst of my trouble yes you need an earthquake you need the foundations of your world to be shaken and it won't be shaken by you getting mad at God Amen. for life coming your way he never said life wasn't going to come your way amen he never promised you a stress-free life. He promised you a stress-free life if, you give, if he gives you his peace. Amen. He promised you this. I'll never leave, never forsake. These people aren't preaching anything right now. Right. You guys are getting the gospel. I can be fruitful here. Next verse. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, 
He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. See, because he thought everybody had escaped. So here's what happens. If the prisoners get out, whoever was guarding them is a dead man. So he goes, well, I'm dead anyway. I'm going to just kill myself because all the doors are open and all the chains are on the ground. Where are all the prisoners? Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. So let me just kill myself because soon as my superiors get here, they're going to kill me. So I might as well uh, get rid of all the embarrassment and just do it myself. Next verse. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. Well, here's Paul in the back going, no, we're all back here. Amen. We're just giving God glory. And we're I know we could have walked out, but let me show you, God, if I walk out, you're dead. Mm. So we're still here. Yes, Lord. Here's God. Burst the doors open, took off the chains, and Paul says, no, don't nobody leave. Prisoners, don't leave. Because mm -hmm. if we leave, this poor jailer is dead. I don't want to see him dead. I remember this guy, when I, when I, when I went, uh, first got to work, and I started to progress, and, I, and this guy didn't like me. And he, he would say you know, stuff about never to my face, because I would have stumped his guts out. But it was always to other people. And then finally one day, and the word was getting back to me. And so finally one day I got fed up, and I said, dude, you got a second? We stepped out on the patio. I went, man, I know what you've been saying. You don't even know me. But let me tell you something. I forgive you. Hallelujah. Because I realize people like you just try to get by the way you need to get by. But people like me don't respond to it, man. The love of God is in my heart. I forgive you, dude. I know you're just being you. You don't know any better. Amen. And he looked at me. He goes, how can you do that? Hmm. Well, it's not me. Trust me. I want to kick you in your nuts right now. <laughs> can you say that in church? I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan, back that up. See, I really want to hit you in the stomach, but see, this this God in me that won't allow me to do it, and I'm understanding who you are and how you function, and I get how you've had to do things, and he went, dude, I can't believe you're doing it. He began to cry, and, he, and I said, man, you can have Jesus right now. Let him to the Lord standing right on the patio. Hallelujah. Came one of my bestest friends. Who you work with? I don't know. Taking all my personality, except that one. He says, we're all here. Next verse. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. The jailer says, hey, get some torches. Get, it, get in here. They brought the other guys in there. And he fell down before Paul and Silas. Next verse. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be he saved? He says, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm a Roman soldier. No, I'm a, I'm a prison guard. How can you take all that abuse and how can you still praise to this God of yours? And, and then here it is, a chance to escape and you knew they killed me and you got stayed here for my benefit. He fell upon his feet, on his knees and when the guys, and they got him up, he says, look, what, what do you have? What do I got to do to be like you? Amen. He looked across the table at me, the little Chinese guy said, what do I got to do to be like you? Mm. And I went, well, you got to tan a lot. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> just lightening the mood, you got too serious. And, and, I, and I'm like, dude, it's simple. Because I'm a sinner too. You're not Amen. special. Amen. So here it is. He says, I want this Jesus because you've shown me the gospel. Not told me, shown me. Mm-hmm. Next verse. 
Almost done. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you, you and your household. And your whole house. Now, the whole house didn't hear the message. Right. But they knew that we saved you, your whole house is saved now. Is your whole house saved? I mean, everybody. I grew up with my mom, my brother, me. Uh, everybody who came in our house, all my brother's little friends used to stay, always be at our house. I used to chase them out like roaches. Get out the house. Get out of here. <laughs> they would sleep on the couch. I'd wake up in the morning. One would be on the floor and one would be on the couch. It got so normal, I would just step over them. They wanted to be at our house. Why? Mm-hmm. The presence of God was there. Amen. I feel better here than I do at my own house. Mm. Well, it's just the misfortune or the fortune. Amen. <laughs> don't let people stay at your house, come to your house constantly. Don't let your friends constantly come over. Don't, don't, don't go to coffee and, and be on the phone all the time. And they don't know Jesus. How is this happening? Lord, my personality is all over this place. These people, these people are crazy as I am. And they love you like I do. But it's one trait that they did not pick up from me. Because if one person reaches one person, this whole church changes. We, one, we double in size. We bring more anointing, more gifts into the house. Where are they at? Where? I'm not trying to build a mega church. I don't think I can handle that. But I'm saying fruitfulness. I can't say that. Next verse. Or is that it? Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. So they said, listen, he's like, I'm all right. You want to be saved? Your whole house can be saved. Now, he had to take them to his house to get the rest of his house saved. Amen. I'm going to take you to their house. Come home to my house and tell everybody else. And then they got baptized. His whole house. Because at that night, the hour, the hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed all their wounds. Now, mind you, they're still bloody and beaten up and probably naked. And he's like, man, I've got to clean these guys up. And, 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 he, and he took them out of there. He washed them up. And him and his whole household got baptized. A horrible situation, and God has used this horrible situation to change somebody's whole household. Amen. Verse 34 of my translation, after this, the jailer took Paul inside his home, gave them some food, cleaned them up. All the people were very happy because they now, they now believed in Jesus. Amen. Come on up. I, I believe that, man, what we're doing in life, we're building resumes. And, and in my resume, I'm like, okay, my resume, let me look at my resume. Okay, these people know you, these people know you, these people know you, these people know you, these people know you. Uh, but, Lord, I'm still nervous. I don't think I've done enough. I, I had this reoccurring dream, and I told you about it many times. And I was standing before this bright light, and I was standing there, and I had an attitude like I always do. And I saw all these people on the bank over here. It was like a river, and on the other side, it was all these people. And I, and I look over there, and I go, who are all they? Because I didn't even want to be here. I didn't even know where I was. Who are these people? Why are they all looking at me? 
He's, and then this voice said, those are everyone you did not reach because you don't want to do ministry anymore. This is when I was in North Carolina and I ran away. I ran away from God. I had my Jonah moment and I ran away because I didn't want to do it anymore. I was turning into a preacher. I didn't want to be a preacher. So I ran away. I left my family, everybody ran away. Went to North Carolina, took my kids, just got out of there. And, I, and the Lord showed me that dream. And, and, then I, and then he brought that dream back to me before this church started. And he goes, Lord, I don't want to see that dream anymore. Goes, everybody you didn't reach. You want to come see me? Knowing that. Man, I guess I better do something. I don't know. Because just, just being friends and loving these people are causing these people to come to my house and then I teach them Jesus. And now it's, we got a few of us now. So now we got to get out of the house and I, I, maybe I got to start this church. I don't want to start a church because it's going to cost me so much. Little did I know it would cost me everything. Everything I care about. It cost me all of it. But if you ask me would I do it again, yes, because I don't want to stand before the Lord and see everybody on that bank. So here's the thing. I'm going, okay, well, I love our little gang, but we're just a little gang. And, Lord, I don't want no thousands. That'll make me uncomfortable. And the Lord says, you don't have to have a mega church, but I will say this. Are you guys fruitful? And I go, no. We're fruitful in our own lives, and they've grown individually so. But, Lord, this, they haven't, this, that part of me hasn't dripped down on them yet because the oil comes down from the head, and it goes to the rest of the body. I have an evangelistic gift. And I'm trying to drip that down onto you now. Your friends who you have influence on, they should be easy. If they're really your friends and you have influence. There's no way I was going to let my sister not know. No way she was going to have to know. Because I care about it. She cares about me. I'm going to use that friendship and that trust. Because I would do anything for her. So she would easily do anything for me like, hey, go to church. Where your friends at? Where your family's at? That part of me didn't drip down on you yet. What are you going to do when the Lord says, hey, you got three days to, what are you going to do when it says, hey, this rich person better know who I am? Lord, you know rich people don't know who you are. No, they, he better know or you're going to be in trouble because he's your only shot. Oh, you're his only shot. You know what I meant. You're the only hope he's got. He's not going to church. But he don't need to. He's got you. And some of you may say, well, I work with all these spiritual people. You work probably with a lot of religious people. You can tell how they are. You can, you can know what, you know the difference. And I'm saying, they had to save religious people. Religious people need Jesus the most because they think they have him and they don't. So my prayer, and I'm going to keep praying this. I may even fast about this one. I may even fast for a long, a long one about this one. I, I might even risk my health on this one. That part of me has not dripped down on this congregation. And for the life of me, I don't know why. When that's been my whole ministry, my entire walk with God, 
has been others. I remember when I first got saved, I ran home that night, and I, my friends, man, they all came to my house. It was late. They still came over because we did that. We'd go over each other. And I went, man, I don't know what happened, guys, but, man, something just, man, it's just Jesus, man, just changed my life. And they were like, Ken, what are you talking about? Dude, you guys got to come with me. I got to use my influence. You guys don't get it. You got it. And I was, I was like, oh, my goodness. See, what, what I was doing was I was praising something. When you really like something, what do you do? You praise it. You go to a restaurant you really like, and you go, man, this food was really good. Let me tell you real quick the time my brother perked up. I was in uh, California, and I, I was sitting with him. We were talking. He was, you know, laying there. I'm like, man, give me something to eat. I go across the street. It was this place, hamburger place. Man, they had the best hamburger in the world. I was sitting there like, this hamburger is, do you, does anybody else think this hamburger is that good? It was the best. And so I'm like, I'm going to buy my brother one. So I got him one, brought it back. He's laying there. They bought his hospital food. I'm like, dude, don't eat that. Eat this hamburger. So we open the hamburger, cut it, and, he, and he, he sits up, and he bites the hamburger. He goes, man, where'd you get this? I went across the street. Where? Right across the street? Yeah, what you going to do, walk over there? <laughs> Only time he perked up. You know why? Because I praised it. Dude, this hamburger, is man, this hamburger is crazy. Wait till you taste this hamburger. And he goes, man, I, all right. And he, whoa. When you love something, you praise it. You, when you see a really good movie, what do you do? You tell your friends, God, you got to see that movie. When you hear a great song, you go, have you ever heard that song? Why don't we do, why aren't we praising God like that? Do, hey, do you, understand the, do you understand the beauty of what I'm talking about? Man, when Game of Thrones was on, man, I love Game of Thrones. And I had a little clique who loved it too. And we would go, oh man, you see the last week, you see the episode? Oh, it was crazy. Praising it. You praise the Lord. You eat, eat a really good, nice piece of chocolate cake. Man, this cake is so good. Oh, my goodness. You got to try this cake. That's why the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to taste it. You got to get people to taste it. And faith only comes by hearing, so they got, you have to use your influence. You got to get them here because you know you hear the gospel. So you know what? Take them to Jesus. Take them to the door and then you bring them in here and I guarantee you I'll clean them for you. I'll help you clean them. I can't go catch them all though and still clean. Nobody I love will not know who Jesus is. I guarantee nobody he puts across my path is not going to know who Jesus is. People that he really put on my heart are good. Man, 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 trust me, I met tons of people who I didn't lead to the Lord, but when someone gets on my radar, they don't have a chance because I'm not going to stop until they know. I don't care how long it takes. God told me I was getting ready to leave that job, but you won't leave until Mark comes with you. I want to get out of here. Mark, know who Jesus is. Ugh. Who sung the first song at our church? Mark. And think about it, I'm closing. How did you get here? Somebody invited you. I'll end with that.
Father, we give you glory and praise, and we thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that the anointing that you have placed upon me to hear your word, to understand your word, will fall upon these people. But I'm also praying, Lord, for the evangelistic heart and the evangelistic anointing to roll off of me and roll onto this congregation right now in Jesus' name. Everyone here and everyone not here. Lord, don't let them stand before you with nothing on their resume. Lord, don't, don't let them no longer be comfortable if their friends don't know you, if their really close co-workers don't know you. Don't let them be comfortable anymore if their husbands or wives or brothers and sisters don't. Don't let them be comfortable anymore if their children don't really know who you are and don't even really care. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. This is urgent because we realize that you're going to be coming home soon. You're going to be cracking the sky soon. And you know what? Life is so fragile. We could be going along with life and then one moment can change your whole entire life. Don't want that to happen without you. Can't let nobody die on my watch without knowing you. Can't let people I care about go through life uninsured like that. Don't let us rest. But give us the wisdom to be able to minister. Give us the, the, the boldness to be able to finally say it. And I know I come against that whole spirit of who are you and I know how you used to be. Lord, uh-uh, in Jesus' name, we break that. We break that. No matter how, in fact, how you used to be would only be a testimony of how great God is. Move upon the face of these people. Move upon their hearts, God. Let them, let them begin to speak the truth no matter if it does cost them friendships. Let them speak the truth, no matter if their family does get upset with them. Let them speak the truth, no matter if people might call them names, and call them holy rollers, and all oh, you want them Christian. Let them speak the truth, Lord, and, and deal with that other than dealing with you standing before you with nothing on our resumes. Nobody knowing God because we know God. I pray that my anointing will drip down on this congregation. So that many will be saved because these people know you. Help us, Lord. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.